We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. It is Monday, April 24th. My name is Rob Doster, and we have some stuff to talk about in the world of UConn basketball. A lot of it is roster-related. A lot of it is transfer portal-related. A lot of it is NBA draft-related, uh, and some of it is Adama Sonogo-related. We're going to get into all that. We have a, There's a lot to get to. I kind of want to recap people just a little bit on what's happened over the course of the spring what's happened since uh UConn cut down the nets exactly three weeks ago from today um and kind of discuss where this roster stands right now where it's going to be moving forward and what you can expect over the course of the next next month uh before we do make sure you hit that like button make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're listening on spotify you're listening on apple podcasts uh, make sure that you leave a review. Um, all of that stuff really does help with the algorithm there. If you uh, if you like this, if you leave a comment, uh, if you subscribe to the channel, it's the best way to kind of help us on uh, YouTube if that is where you are listening to this. So let's talk about this program because I do feel like there's a lot of angst right now surrounding this program and the roster and the transfers and, and uh, all that good stuff stemming from the decision from Nick Timberlake to transfer to Kansas. So if you don't know, if you've been sleeping under a rock, Nick Timberlake is a grad transfer from Towson. He was one of the best shooters in the portal. Uh, he was a guy that UConn had identified early on in the process as someone that they really wanted to bring in the program as someone that fit into 
uh, a, a role that they probably had envisioned um, somebody playing. You know, he's a six foot five shooter, a guy that averaged 17 points a game uh, in a really good CAA. Um, he had a, quite a bit of buzz uh, about coming to UConn. Like that was kind of where all of the uh, anonymous sources and, and, and the uh, crystal ball and all that kind of good stuff. People were projecting him to end up at UConn. And uh, then he ended up committing to Kansas. And, you know, it was one of the more, I think it's fair to say, surprising decisions this spring. Generally speaking, if there are enough people out there kind of insinuating that a player is going to make a certain decision, uh, that decision is usually what ends up getting made. Um, and that school tends to be where the player ends up. That is not what happened in this situation. Um, but either way, there is a reason that it ended up with Nick Timberlake going to Kansas uh, for multiple reasons, not the least of which Kansas is still Kansas. It's a very good basketball program. It's a very good basketball school. And it should be no surprise that there are players that want to go play for Bill Self and play in Fall Gallon Fieldhouse. That's just, it is what it is. Um, But I think there is significantly more clarity about the status of the roster and the status of the role that Timberlake would be playing at Kansas versus what he would have expected to to see uh, at UConn. Um, Timberlake is an off guard. He's a two guard. He's one of the better shooters uh, in college basketball this past season. He's going to be one of the best shooters in college basketball next season. He plays the two. Grady Dick played the two for Kansas last year. He's going to be a lottery pick. He's gone. Uh, The other five-star freshman that Kansas had on their roster last year was MJ Rice. MJ Rice has transferred out of the program. He is heading to NC State. Uh, The Jayhawks have a really good recruiting class coming in, but the wings in that class are guys that look to be more kind of program recruits, right? Guys that are going to be there for two, three, four years. Guys that are going to be Bill self-specials that he develops into NBA players as their juniors or as their seniors. That's kind of what he does. Uh, The guy in the backcourt that is a five-star in this class is more of an on-ball um, recruit than he is a guy that plays off the ball. He's probably going to end up backing up Dewan Harris, replacing Bobby Pettiford, who uh, has transferred out of the program as well. Um, like UConn, Kansas has two players that have declared for the draft uh, while leaving their eligibility open and the potential to return to school. That is Kevin McCullough and Jalen Wilson. Um, and there's still a decent chance that one or both of them end up returning to the program. But even if they do, neither of those guys would in theory, take the starting spot away from Nick Timberlake. Kevin McCuller is a three, a junkyard dog, a uh, defensive piece, um, a guy that you do not want playing the two, playing the role that, that Grady Dick played last season. Um, I think that Jalen Wilson is more of like a small ball four. That's where he thrived uh, in 2021 when he played there. That's where he thrived last season when he was an All-American. Uh, Timberlake slots directly into the role that Grady Dick is leaving. He should be, in theory, a starter the day that he shows up in Lawrence. And I don't think that the same can be said uh, for UConn should Timberlake have transferred there. Um, Because the two players that UConn has testing the waters are Tristan Newton and Andre Jackson. The the starting, I don't even know if you would call a backcourt, but two-thirds of their starting perimeter. The two guys that you would say are point guards on that roster. And when you have two point guards that start, one of those guys is essentially playing the two, right? Throw in Stephen Castle. Throw in Solo Ball, who the staff loves, by the way. Um, And Nick Timberlake there just is no way for him to be guaranteed any kind of playing time, any kind of minutes, any kind of role, any kind of spot um, in the rotation. There's a, if he had come to UConn and Tristan Newton comes back and Andre Jackson comes back, there is a real world possibility where Nick Timberlake could have basically played Joey Calcaterra minutes. Um, And the staff, 
me, you, anyone, Nick Timberlake, his high school coach, his AAU coach, no one knows whether or not that's what it actually could have been. Now, he also could have ended up starting. Let's say that Tristan Newton and Andre Jackson ended up going pro. Stephen Castle starts at the one, and Solo Ball isn't ready to play major minutes yet. You probably got Nick Timberlake right there starting at the two. Um, so it's impossible to really know uh, what you have there. Not only are two guys going to be waiting until mid to late May to decide whether or not they're coming back to school, but four of the five freshmen won't even make it until campus until the last weekend in May for UConn. And that's to say nothing of Jalen Stewart, who won't be there until, I believe, early July due to the schedule uh, that Garfield High School, his high school's calendar has. So, I mean, think about that. Timberlake is trying to find a place where he can play a role and prove himself as a star to put, uh, to uh, as a star in a role to professional teams, whether that's in the NBA, whether that's in the G League, whether that's playing abroad. Um, at Kansas, he's probably going to be able to walk into 30 minutes a game, regardless of what Bill Self does with the rest of his roster, right? Um He's going to be playing with a point guard that is a pass-first point guard in DeWan Harris. He knows that somebody is going to be playing the five that is going to take up space and they're going to require defense. He knows he's going to be getting shots. He knows he's going to be able to be getting spot-up shots. He can You can see what his role will end up being for Kansas next season. At UConn, I mean, he'll be the best guard that's guaranteed to be on the roster in 2023-24 as of right now, but we won't actually know what his role will look like until Andre Jackson makes the decision and Tristan Newton makes the decision. And that's not going to happen for a while. And then you have to find out, you know, with Castle and Ball and Jalen Stewart and all the other guys on campus, is he going to actually be able to beat them out for minutes and prove themselves? You know, you just, we've seen what the staff did in identifying and developing Alex Carabin and Donovan Klingon as freshmen. If that happens with three of the five freshmen that they're bringing in this year's class, like Nick Timberlake might be shit out of luck if he goes to UConn. So that's that's a lot of him to ask. Or that's a lot to ask of him and a lot of trust that you're putting in uh, to a guy being able to earn a role. And it's just there's a lot of question marks there. So I think it also that says a lot about why you're not seeing a lot of uh, – transfer chatter involving UConn the way that you did last year, right? Because if Newton comes back and if Jackson comes back, what the Huskies need is very different than what they'll need if both of those guys end up leaving. Um, you know, who are you identifying if you're Dan Hurley right now? Who are you who are you prioritizing? Who are you recruiting? Who are you going after? Who are you offering? Um, it all changes if you get those two got the both of those players back. So let's kind of talk about hypotheticals in this situation, right? I think that's what you have to do. If Newton and Jackson both return. For my money, UConn will be right there with Duke and with Michigan State when it comes to who should be in the conversation for the preseason number one team in America. The biggest question that I will have with that group, uh, with both of those guys back, is going to be perimeter shooting. And I don't think that's really, you know, I'm not really breaking news there, right? Uh, Castle and Jackson are, are fairly similar in how they play. They're not exactly the same, but kind of stylistically and in the role that they're asked to play, they're kind of similar, right? They're both long athletic wings. They both thrive as creators when they're on the ball and they both struggle uh, when they are asked to be spot-up shooters and floor spacers, right? Those guys are players that you want to find ways to get them downhill and allow them to use their natural ability to create or finish around the bucket. They're not guys that are going to stand out there and make wide-open jump shots the way that Jordan Hawkins did or the way that Joey Calcaterra did or the way that Naheem Aline did, right? Those two are kind of similar, and like in my mind's eye, I see them kind of playing the same role on the team. So uh, the staff is going to have to kind of get creative when it comes to being able to make an offense work with those two on the floor at the same time as Donovan Klingon, unless, you know, the rumors about Klingon being this all-world shooter and practice and this sneaky three-point threat, uh, unless that comes true, you're probably looking at a situation where you got three guys that are not 
really great shooters on the floor at the same time. So uh, Alex Carabin, he's a great shooter. He's going to be starting at the four. Uh, Tristan Newton, if he's back, he can make threes. Um, but the question I have is like, if you have Jackson and Castle out there, is is Tristan Newton's best role kind of being buried in the quarter until you need someone to make a play at the end of a clock? I, I think that's kind of what we'll see happen quite a bit. Like have him off the ball when you create those actions. Like I think the best way, if that's your five on the floor, I think the best way that you're going to be able to create offense and create sets and create um, actions that uh, that get you easy looks is to have Caravan and Newton be the floor spacers and create offense where you get either Castle or Jackson coming off of uh, a dribble handoff or coming off of a ball screen and getting downhill to their right hand with the other one kind of in the dunker spot and then Donovan Klingon either rolling to the bucket and catching a lob as a vertical spacer or being a guy that picks and pops and knocks down threes if that's something that he's going to end up doing next season. But like that's also... That's kind of specific, and it is kind of limiting when you only have two shooters on the floor in college basketball. So with both of them back in the portal, shooting to me would be the priority. Finding someone that could play Joey Calcaterra's role and finding someone that could play Naheem Aline's role, those are the two things that you would have to do. Um, if one or both of those guys leave, if both of those guys leave, um, I, I think UConn might be in a bit of a tough spot. But first thing you're gonna have to do is is uh figure out what you have with Hassan Diara and just how good he is I know Hurley's high on him I know Hurley's talked him up uh, a little bit about next season I think the quote was uh it's like we're adding two new players with Hassan Diara and Samson Johnson so that's something to keep in mind um and I know that Stefan Castle certainly wants to brand himself as being a point guard and you know and talking with people that are in the recruiting space uh, I don't think that that's just a pipe dream. I think that he is a player that could be really good on the ball. Um, he's not the shooter that you probably want uh, want your star point guard to be, but he is a guy that can create off the bounce. So I think what you would need if both those guys are gone, like another veteran point guard, another player that you can kind of bring in that can create his own shots, um, somebody that can handle the ball, someone that can uh, provide a veteran presence next to Stefan Castle and a calming presence next to Sandiara. So um, it's it, that's a very different role that you're looking to fill than the one that you would be looking to fill uh, with Andre and Tristan back. And also the other part of it is like, you need guys that are going to be will, ready to play 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes, um, as opposed to guys that you're looking to bring in for 10, 12 minutes a game uh, if those two players come back. So uh, let's talk about whether or not that will actually happen. Let's talk about the chances that Tristan Newton ends up staying in the draft and Andre Jackson ends up staying in the draft. Um, I don't think Newton that is going to end up being drafted at this point. I haven't seen him on any draft boards. Uh, if you have, please let me know. Share them with me. I would like to see that. Um... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I don't think that he is quite athletic enough quite a good enough defender or quite a good enough shooter to be able to get a guaranteed deal at this point. Right. I think he's very good at a lot of things. I don't know what his elite skill is that will allow him to thrive the most difficult position to play in the NBA and the most important position to play in the NBA. Um, And I don't, he's not, he's not young enough where you're going to bet on it. Like he's kind of, I don't want to say he's a finished product, but like he's 21, 22 years old, man. He's been in college for a long time. So, uh, Teams know, they know what Tristan Newton is at this point. And I just don't think he has an elite skill that would make up for the fact that he's like, he's just good at everything and not really great at anything when it comes to an NBA perspective. So my guess is like the best case scenario for him would end up being like a two-way deal, right? Probably more likely a G league deal or something overseas. And, you know, if he does that, he'd be probably be able to make pretty good money and it's not easy to play in the G league. That's not, you know, people think it's slander to say that, uh, you know, he's probably a G League player. Well, you know, what? that makes him one of like the 3000 best in the world at his job. Um, so I think it is what it is. Uh, I think the eventuality for you, for Newton is this. He goes through the process. He learns what he needs to improve on. He uh, comes up with a development plan during the offseason to work on that. Um, he comes back to school, gets a nice little NIL bag. Uh, and he tries to play his way into being a second-round pick next season. Um, Jackson, on the other hand, I think is a guy that, if he decides to leave, is going to be getting a guaranteed deal, um, whether that is as a late first-round pick, as an early second-round pick. Uh, he's he's going to be getting guaranteed money if he decides to stay in the NBA draft. The way that it kind of works right now, if you get taken in the top 45 or in the top 50, you are going to get some kind of guaranteed money uh, almost assuredly from the NBA. I think in the last four years, there's been one guy, one American player taken in the top 50 that didn't get at least one year uh, of guaranteed um, NBA contract money. Um, if you are taken earlier in the second round, like in the lo- in, in the early 30s, uh, you could end up getting a four-year contract with three years guaranteed. That has happened with players in the last three to four years. Um, and I think that given Andre Jackson's athleticism, given his passing ability, given his defensive versatility, given the role that I think you could envision him playing, um, I think that there was a team that would be willing to take a risk on 
giving him multi years guaranteed and kind of betting on the fact like we can figure out his jump shot. We can find a way to make it be effective enough. And even if it's not, there's still a role that he could play. Uh, you get him in the early second round. You're talking about like maybe a $6 million investment over four years for a player that if it hits and if he figures out that jump shot uh, could end up being a $100 million player um, down the road. So I, I, I think that a team NBA teams, you know, one, I think that the consensus is probably right. Uh, as a consensus, I don't think that I think if you pulled every NBA team, he probably would not end up being a first round pick on average, but all it takes is one team to just fall in love with, with the player that he is and the person that he is and have them take him in the second, uh, late in the first round or early in the second. And then he's probably gone. There's no guarantees at that level because there's so many moving parts in the draft. But, um, again, all you need is one team to fall in love with you and you're going to be getting that guaranteed deal. Uh, and I would be absolutely flabbergasted if there wasn't one team willing to do that. Now, the big question is, let me tell you guys about our sponsor for today's episode, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 a few weeks back. When we get in the middle of college hoop season, it can be hard for me to eat and drink as healthy as I probably should be, especially in late February and March when the schedule gets really busy. But I found that I felt better as I've made AG1 a part of my daily routine. I take AG1 in the afternoons after the coffee is worn off and once the itis post-launch is kind of set in. And what I found, my energy levels are up. It's improved my digestion. And as a result, I'm not only more efficient and productive in the most important time of the year for me and for the field of 68, but I'm working out more consistently. I just feel better. AG1 is so much more than just a greens powder. It's comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally could not be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of the AG1 formula with water, and I drink it every single afternoon. Done. Just like that. I also like that it only costs $3 a day. The price is right. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is the answer. They are giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Free! Just go to athleticgreens.com backslash field 68. That's athleticgreens.com backslash field 68. The link is in the description below. Check it out. Support the field of 68 and feel better about yourself. Where will they be playing him if they take him and if they sign him? Because my understanding of the situation based off the people that I've talked to about this is that Jackson doesn't really want to play in the G League, right? If the choice is G League or college, He'll come back to he would he would prefer coming back to school, making some NIL money, working on his jump shot in stores or on campus, playing with this team and trying to run it back and win a second title. He's just a dude that loves UConn. He loves the college experience. He loves uh, playing college basketball. He loves the private jets, all that. He wouldn't want to run that thing back if he was going to be a G League player. Now, if he's on an NBA roster, if he's a first round pick, if he's getting guaranteed money like that, then um, I doubt he would say no to it, even if it means you got to go back and forth sometimes, right? Even if it means sometimes you're the guy that's going to get picked go, go, to go down and play in the G League to get some reps in. Um, either way, I think that Jackson is walking into guaranteed money, but I still think that his decision is 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 legitimately 50-50 because it's very difficult to get a guarantee on knowing, and I don't think that he wants to play in the G League. I think he wants to play either in the NBA or in college. So, uh, if I had to make a prediction right now, it's that Tristan Newton would be coming back to school and that literally Andre Jackson comes down to kind of a, a coin flip, seeing how well he shoots in the combine, seeing how well he does in workouts, things like that. So um, 
That's kind of where I stand with it right now. And, and to be frank, uh, as much as I love Andre fucking Jackson, I do think that it is more important to have Tristan Newton's uh, playmaking back just because I think that you can make up some of what you lose with Andre Jackson with Stephen Castle. He's not the same defender. He's certainly not the same athlete, but I think you can make up some of that stuff uh, with him back. Um, and it's a little bit more difficult to find uh, Tristan Newton replacement in the portal um, than it would be to to kind of replace Andre Jackson because, again, Stephen Castle's already on the roster. Either way, let's remember a couple of things as we're having these conversations about um, – about what the roster will look like, about transfer portal, about all that stuff. Regardless of what happens in the backcourt, and I can't reiterate this enough, regardless of what happens in UConn's backcourt, their frontcourt is going to be absolutely loaded. Donovan Klingon is going to be on every single breakout star list that you see throughout the summer and the fall, right? He could very well end up being an All-American next year, potentially a second-team or first-team All-American. I think Big East Player of the Year is certainly a possibility for him, and I would not be shocked if he ended up being a lottery pick in the 2024 NBA draft, if all goes well for him. Walker Kessler right now is a very good player to be compared to because of the season that Walker Kessler just had. Um, Alex Caravan, another guy. Freshman coming back for a sophomore season when guys tend to make the biggest leap. I think he's someone that's going to end up playing in the NBA at some point. He got significantly better on the defensive end as the season went on. Uh, he became a guy that could not be isolated and not be targeted as in, in a mismatch. He's a 40% three-point shooter. I think he's got more shit to him off the bounce than people realize. I think he's another guy that could end up being like a 14 or 15 point per game guy next season. I think that he ends up playing in the NBA. Um, I, th that Those two right there, I, I haven't thought enough about where they would end up being in terms of best big uh, best front courts in America, but there is no possible way that they're outside of like the top five. Those two are going to be awesome together. And that's before you consider, you know, the development of Samson Johnson, who could end up playing minutes at the five before the impact of uh, Jalen Stewart, who um, can kind of do some similar things to Alex Caravan or Yusef Sangare, who has uh, had a really good, um, Really good final season and in, in the high school ranks. So um, remember, two second point: UConn still has a top five recruiting class in the nation coming in. Like there are uh, there are five players in their class that should end up being um, impact players at UConn during their college careers. Um, I think two or three of those guys should end up being big time impact players as freshmen next season. Uh, Castle could end up being another guy that is a first round pick on this team, right? Um, so that like they're, they're, the talent is there, right? Like we're we're talking about whether or not UConn's preseason number one versus preseason top ten. Like this is not we're not talking about whether or not they're going to be good or bad. We're talking about whether or not they're going to be you know competing for just ranked as like eh, I think they can win the Big East versus eh, I think they can win the national title. Like that's what we're that is what we're talking about right now with this UConn team. Um, and the last point that I'll make is this. There are not many staffs in America that has that have been as good as UConn staff when it comes to identifying players, identifying talent, and finding guys that can fit a specific role for the program, right? They are very, very good at identifying who will work in the program, who will work on the roster, who will fit into their culture, who can do a job for them. Think about it like this. They brought in five transfers, right? Tyrese Martin. 
was a home run. Joey Calcaterra was a guy that they thought was going to be a, basically a practice player that ended up being the eighth man. Naheem Aline was a guy that ended up playing a vital role as the sixth man off of the bench for this program. Tristan Newton, we know how good that dude ended up being, and they had their doubts about him early on in the season, right? So three of the four transfers they brought in last year and four of the five overall have been absolute home runs in their role. The only one that has not yet is a Sandiar, and that's because he was kind of in a situation where there weren't very many minutes available for him to play. We've already, I already told you what, what Hurley's kind of been saying about him in the offseason. So uh, I think we're still in a wait and see mode with the Sandiara. I hope he ends up being a star next year. Um, but we'll we'll find out what happens with him. He's the only transfer they brought in that has not already been a home run, and he could still end up being. So he should be good next year. When it comes to the freshmen. Five of the nine freshmen that this staff has brought in have been absolute home runs. Um, and that is not that is uh not including Sam or that is including Samson Johnson as a guy that has not hit yet. Again, he is a guy that Dan Hurley has talked about being basically a new addition coming into the program because of the lack of minutes that he had last season. We talked about the wall potential. We've seen the athleticism, we know what this dude can do. Uh a situation where Klingman's playing 28 minutes. Samson Johnson is playing 12 minutes the way that that Sunogo and Klingon did it this past season. I think there's worse things in the world uh, than having that happen. So I say all that to say this. UConn does not need to hit a home run with any of the additions that they are making this offseason, right? Well, let me rephrase that. They do not need to land a superstar. They have their stars. They have the core of their program. They have the guys that they want to build this team and this offense uh, and this group around, right? What they need are singles and doubles. What they need are to identify people that can do a specific role and play a specific job. Um, they need to find guys that are willing to come in and do that specific job for the opportunity to play for a national championship, for to play in the Big East tournament, um, to play in Gamble and to play in the XL Center, to play for UConn uh, and in exchange, get more exposure and maybe get a chance to play overseas. They're not bringing in, they're not trying to get lottery picks out of the portal. They're trying to get guys that could do a job. Um, and I think what this staff has done throughout their time with the program is be very, very good at being able to identify those guys. The problem is right now it's TBD what the role is that they're going to be looking to fill. So it's just going to take time. It's all good. You just got to be patient, right? So instead of stressing about the pieces that may or may not uh, come back to stores and may or may not make their way to stores uh, during the offseason, just kind of bask in the glow of the fact that they we just won a national title, right? You can still celebrate that, right? Let Danny and Luke and Kamani and Tom and, and let, let the staff stress out about how they're going to find a way to get to be number six. You get to just crack a beer and enjoy life and, you know, laugh at the people that have to stress about the transfer portal because they've never won a national title. We just got one. So, um, yeah, chill, relax. It's all good. Uh, before I go, I did want to touch on the Adama Sonogo stuff because I do feel like that is – it was a talking point for uh, for much of the week leading into the Final Four. Um, it was a talking point for much of the the spring and the the, the time since the title has been won. Um, once it became clear how good Donovan Klingon was as a freshman, it also became clear that having a second season where Sonogo and Klingon were, sh- were, were were sharing minutes and were on the same roster and were were splitting playing time just wasn't going to work. Adama Sonogo wasn't going to be a guy that was about to come off the bench, and I don't think that Klingon wanted to be a guy that was playing 13 minutes a game next season again. The problem with having two of the five best centers in college basketball, which is what I think UConn would have had next season had he returned, um, 
You cannot play them together. This is not like guards, right? If you have two of the five best guards in college basketball, you make it work, right? If you have the two best point guards in America, you put them on the floor together and and uh, no one can guard you, right? Um, if they could play together, they would have played together more than like 15 minutes all of last season, right? And also, I think if you're forced to pick one of the two, kind of think the choice has to be clinging right because of what he can do defensively um because he is a potential program changing force he's a defensive anchor he can operate as a vertical spacer and potentially a floor spacer um on a team that is going to uh need to thrive on their defense and need some spacing next season right i don't know if it works with adama getting all of those post-ups when you can double off of three different guys so um I think if you were forced to pick one, you probably made the right decision and going with Klingon. Um, and that kind of left Snuggle in this weird place, right? Like he just finished up his Kemba, Kemba run. He just had his Shabazz moment. He won tournament most outstanding player. He was the most dominant player in one of the most dominant tournament runs that we have ever seen. Um, and he may not have had a place back on the roster. It's just... I, I don't know if there's ever been a situation like that before. Um, it's part of why you heard so many rumblings about him potentially entering the transfer portal. And like, I promise you that was something that was heavily considered by Adama and the people and, and his kind of support system, right? Uh, there were offers that came from other programs. Some of them as high as $800,000. I've seen some of the other numbers floating around there. That's not what I was told. I was told it was 800000 is the the most that he got offered uh, by schools that can afford NIL um, and can afford, uh, for lack of a better term, salaries that are that high. Uh, there's also no guarantee that you actually get that money when you get paid because, those, uh, I mean, these contracts is kind of the Wild West right now um, with how you deal with that. But uh, that is the number that was put on the table for him by people other than UConn. Uh, but at the end of the day, Sonogo got the bag from Sonoko, right? And while the door is not completely shut on him coming back to school and transferring, like it's not going to be shut until the transfer portal window closes on May 11th. So that possibility is always going to be there. Um, everything that I've heard both on the record and off the record for people that I speak to, the people that I text with, whatever it is, um, it's that Sonogo's time in college is more than likely over. He's probably going to go all in on the pro route. Uh, I don't know if he's going to end up getting drafted. I hope he does end up getting drafted. Um, I think worst case scenario is he probably ends up on a two-way. And if you end up on a two-way, uh, you're going to be making six figures six figures with a five in front of it, almost guaranteed. So um, the man got a bag from Sunoco, and now he's going to end up making a whole bunch of money. Uh, and he will leave with his legacy intact. Um, he's going to end his career as one of the all-time great UConn Huskies. You know, I want to devote to devote more uh, to this subject on a later podcast, um, but I, w- I just want to say, like, this is a guy that committed to UConn when the program was still like treading water and trying to fight their way back. Right? He had offers from better programs and better schools at the time. Right? And he decided to go to UConn. He bought into the vision that Dan Hurley was selling him, and he helped lead this transformation of this 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 team from being like, "Hey, remember when UConn used to be good?" to being a national power once again while carrying UConn to their fifth national championship. He's a legend. Put him on the fucking wall, Danny Adama has earned it, uh, and I am 
I, I want the best for him, right? And the best for him was to transfer to a different program, get that NIL bag, and take a, a final run around the college basketball landscape. Good. If the best for him is to to go pro and head to the professional ranks and see what can happen, good. I'm glad. And I'm very happy that we don't have to see him wearing another team's college basketball uniform next year. Uh, so that's it for today. Um, I hope I've talked some people off a ledge. Uh, I hope that um, I hope that you guys are with me in continuing to celebrate that fifth natty. Uh, so go ahead, go crack open another beer, go open a bottle of wine, drink a seltzer, uh, do whatever it is that you do to celebrate because we ain't stopping. Go Huskies. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.